A Texas school district is now requiring students to provide a birth certificate before auditioning for the Texas Boys Choir or the Singing Girls of Texas. We are not permitted on a certain big tech video platform to articulate the precise ideological reason for which they are now requiring birth certificates for boys and girls choirs. But I think you catch my drift. And you can hear more at Daily Wire Plus and the RSS feed and Twitter, Emnol's show. And actually, actually, that particular ideology is not even the most depressing part of this story. Sadder even than recent eccentric theorizing is the clearly collapsing rates of social trust. We have observed this trend in society for years. Your grandparents didn't used to lock their doors. You have security systems and cameras filming from your doorbell 24-7. Your grandparents trusted your parents, to their children's teachers. Today, if you're a sane parent, what that means is you've probably strongly considered homeschooling, if not engaged in it yourself. Social trust has collapsed. Now to the point that little kids need to carry notarized government documents to sing in chorus in school. And for good reason. Our society no longer agrees on the most basic facts of life. We no longer speak the same language with which to communicate these facts of life. And so we view one another as barbarians. And sadly, at least some of us are right. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. In just a moment, some lady I've never heard of sings about how much she hates America by rewriting the national anthem. We'll get to that, and we'll get to what that means in just a moment. First, though, I said that opening, that's the sort of opening that can remain on a certain big tech video platform without being kicked off and having us cast into outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. This part can't stay on that particular social media platform because the biggest, shocking, most breaking news story of the day, of course, is that CNN misgendered Dylan Mulvaney. America is really split on a lot of topics, whether it comes to voting, but this Bud Light really seems to send a chasm right down the middle in terms of talking to folks. We went to Nashville. We even talked to a bar in Chicago. One bar was telling us basically they're, re- they're not going to serve it because they don't like the way Dylan Mulvaney was treated after this whole controversy started. He, of course, is the transgender uh, person they were going to uh, uh, sponsor and go along with with Bud Light. They didn't like how Bud Light didn't stand by him after all this. Did you? Did he just? This is so much better than when I refer to Dylan Mulvaney by his proper pronouns, him and he and his and call him a man. It's so much better because this was CNN. And this guy, I don't know what this reporter's name is, he clearly wasn't intending to dispute transgender ideology. He clearly wasn't intending to call this obvious man who thinks that he's a woman or pretends to be a woman a man. He just did it naturally because we all know he's a man. We all know it. Every single person. The, the transgenderists more than anybody know that these people are their real sex, not the sex they're pretending to be. And so when they get caught falling into natural speech patterns and accidentally acknowledging reality, 
It is a level five DEFCON 27 level catastrophe. And they, they won't just pass by it. They won't just try to forget about it. CNN has to issue an on-air apology. Before we wrap up today, we do want to make an important note. Yesterday in a segment about transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney, who was featured in Bud Light's recent campaign, she was mistakenly referred to by the wrong pronoun. And CNN aims to honor individuals' ways of identifying themselves, and we apologize for that error. We apologize. We, uh, we would like to assure you that reporter and all of us here at CNN have undergone a re-education training. We salute our great glorious leader, Dylan Mulvaney, and we will never again refer to men by the pronouns he or him. Uh, very, very sorry. I prostrate myself and now I will commit ritual seppuku on the air. So evil was it of me not to accept transgenderism. <laughs> That's, that is the degree of ritual mania that we have fallen to in this country. North Korean state television seems much more honest than CNN, or frankly, any of them. Even the supposedly right-wing cable channels, even they use the fake transgender pronouns and all of that. This is out of a movie. This is out of a, not, I was going to say a horror movie. It's not out of a horror movie. It's out of a parody. It's out of a comedy movie. And how about Dylan Mulvaney himself? How is he doing? Well, if you follow his social media feeds, which I do not, but I sometimes see them float around Twitter, Dylan Mulvaney has fled the country because he feels so unsafe, presumably because CNN anchors occasionally accidentally slip into reality. And so Dylan Mulvaney is in Peru. Hi, is this an okay time? Okay, surprise, I'm in Peru and I'm at Machu Picchu. Isn't this just so beautiful? Um, I'm here by myself and I used to do a ton of solo traveling. I'm telling you, it's the best. If you could ever do a solo trip somewhere, it is such a good way to get to know yourself better. Um, but I came here to feel something, you know what I mean? And I definitely have. I've done shaman ceremonies that were like 10 years worth of therapy. It was wild. Um, I've seen a lot of llamas and the people here are so kind. I feel very safe here. It's a little sad that I had to leave my country to feel safe, but that will get better eventually. And I am dying for some Trader Joe's rolled chili lime chips. But other than that, I am so content. Still haven't been kissed yet, but I'm holding out hope. And most of all, you know, this trip has just has me feeling like I'm my own best friend again. And that is the best feeling in the world. And I hope that you feel that way about yourself too. And I love ya. Okay. Bye. Machu Picchu. Wow. Gorgeous. Love ya. Man, this is sad. I actually do. I'm not going to make fun of it. I'll make one, I'll make one little joke about it, which is Dylan Mulvaney has presented this as him fleeing America because America is so awful towards sexually eccentric people that he's got to flee to Peru, which has much more restrictive laws about these sexual eccentricities, by the way. They don't have as strong a government, I guess, but he says, I've got to flee my country. I don't feel safe in my country. I've got to flee to Peru. I'm a political exile, basically. I'm a refugee. But of course, what is really going on? Another term for what Dylan Mulvaney is doing is called going on vacation in July. (laughs) Dylan Mulvaney is going to a nearby exotic place and traveling to one of the 
most uh, desired tourist attractions in the world and taking in some sites at Machu Picchu, and then he's going to go home. But even that, even going on vacation in July, which is something a great many people do, even that in Dylan Mulvaney's world has to be extraordinarily dramatic and fantastical and adventurous and unique, and, and obviously it's not. But the uniqueness is what's really sad about this, and it's why I actually don't want to make fun of him, because he's just lost in a in very isolated, alienated uh, view of the world. So he says, I want to travel alone. Okay, sometimes people travel alone. It's more fun to travel with other people, but sometimes you travel alone. But he says, oh, yeah, I always used to travel alone. This is a lonely guy. This is obviously a lonely guy. People who spend all of their lives talking into a camera, uh, this is kind of ironic coming from me because I do this for my job, but I mean people who do it obsessively, compulsively uh, because of uh, personal desire, not because they're working towards something or they're part of a political movement, just, just, they're just always talking to their camera. Very often those are not the most social people. Very often those are fairly lonely people, and that's what he's describing here. He says, I'm my own best friend. That's very sad if you are your own best friend. You should not be your own best friend. A man wrapped up in himself makes a small package indeed. My best friend is my best friend, and that should be the case for you as well. And there are a lot of lonely people out there. Friendship's a hard thing to come by, but then in that case, and I guess ultimately for all of us, God ought to be our best friend because God is the source and summit of all of our good. So when you're sitting apparently alone, if you are a religious person who recognizes spiritual reality, recognizes that we didn't just pop into existence out of nowhere, but that there is an intelligent being who loves us, who created us in the entire cosmos, that can give one a great sense of comfort and belonging and love, even when one physically appears to be alone. But if you don't have any of that stuff, and if you've just turned yourself away from the God who calls himself I am that I am, you're going to be left with a pathetic question, which is who am I? And you're going to fall prey to all sorts of bizarre identities and ideologies as Dylan Mulvaney obviously has. Uh, we've all made a lot of jokes about Dylan Mulvaney and he's invited a lot of it and he's encouraged a lot of it and he's, he's made a fair amount of money on all of it. But you're beginning to see the Dylan Mulvaney brand really turn a corner. Bud Light was the big turn there, where brands saw, oh, goodness gracious, there's a cost sometimes to embracing the LGBT ideology. And specifically, there's a cost to embracing Dylan Mulvaney. And they're going to start to back away. He's still going to get sponsorship deals. He's still going to make some money. But you're, I think you've seen peak Mulvaney, and, and now things are beginning to look a little bit darker. He's obviously trying to garner some more attention by broadcasting his vacation in Machu Picchu. But it's hard to see how this ends well for anybody when, when you've alienated yourself so much from ideology and when you've become so self-obsessed that you have denied even the complementarity of the sexes, even the need for community. And you've said, no, I am my complement. I am my own complementary sex and I am my own best friend and I am all that I need. Well, if if you, if you pursue selfishness in your view of the world and in your indulgence of desire to that degree, you, you're, you're ultimately going to be deeply unsatisfied. You're, gonna, you're ultimately going to consume yourself. Now, when you want to protect yourself, it's an okay transition, not my best transition. You got to check out ExpressVPN. Right now, go to expressvpn.com slash Knowles. Profiling, surveillance, and data harvesting are a few things that you probably don't like very much about the tech giants. What can you actually do about it when you rely on so many of their products? Well, the good news is 
doesn't take much for you to take a stand. For less than seven bucks per month, you can join me and fight back against big tech by using ExpressVPN. How do you think big tech companies make all their money anyway? Well, by tracking your searches, video history, and everything you click on, and then selling your personal data. ExpressVPN helps you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address, a unique identifier that every device has that allows big tech to match your activity back to you. That is why ExpressVPN is the only VPN that I use and trust on all of the devices to make it much more difficult for them to exploit my data for their own profits. And the best part is, it's so easy, even I can use it. I'm a bit of a Luddite. You just click one button on your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, turns it on, keeps people out of your business. Time to fight back. Go to expressvpn.com slash Knowles. Get three extra months for free. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Knowles. Expressvpn.com slash Knowles to learn more. Speaking of fleeing things, if you were on YouTube and you didn't catch what I was just talking about, you got to go to the RSS feed and Daily Wire Plus and Twitter at M. Knowles Show to see what segment was just cut out there. But speaking of fleeing things, President Trump appears to be fleeing the early presidential primary debates. Here is his advisor, Jason Miller, going on TV explaining why the president's probably not going to come. At the moment, President Trump has indicated that he's unlikely to participate, at least in the first two debates. He's up by 30, 40, and even new polling shows he's up by almost 50% in certain places. It really wouldn't make much sense for him to go and debate right now with a bunch of folks who are down at 3, 4, and 5%. Even Ron DeSantis, who's a second place candidate in the race currently, is at least 20, 30, or 40 points behind. And so ultimately, President Trump will make a decision as we get closer. He has not said anything definitive one way or the other. I'm not expecting him to participate, though. There you go. Top advisor to Trump saying, I'm not, or rather, Trump is not likely to go to the debates. There's a candidate forum in Iowa tomorrow. All the candidates are going to be there. Donald Trump is not going to be there. So there seems to be evidence he's going to make good on this threat. Trump's critics in the Republican Party, liberal Republicans like Chris Sununu in New Hampshire, they are pouncing on Trump and saying he looks like a wimp. Former President Trump, the tough guy, the guy that says he's going to fight for America and fights for, but he's not willing to stand up. He's going to wimp out, wimp out well, and not get on yet. that debate stage. Yet. We don't know for sure anything yet. He's going to wimp out that, that clown, that child, that coward. Why won't he get on the debate stage? Why would he? Why would he? I don't want you to shoot the messenger here. Okay. I'm not working for any campaign. I have told you. I do my level best not to endorse in primary campaigns. I think I might be the only conservative pundit in America right now who is not actively working for one of the presidential campaigns. I like pretty much all of the candidates in the field. I know a great number of them personally, and I have a great deal of respect for, for all of the ones that I know and even for some of the ones that I don't know. So I'm just calling it like I see it, fellas. And you can not like the message. You can be angry about these political facts on the ground. But I'm just telling you what it is. Trump has no incentive to debate right now. He has no incentive. I've got the real clear politics average of polling. Trump is up, according to the RCP average, Trump is up 32.4 points. Now, the RCP average is a very reliable, fairly conservative average of polls that includes Morning Consult, Economist YouGov, Fox, Emerson, NBC, Yahoo, Harvard Harris, CNN, The Messenger, Harris X Poll. We've got all of them there. Trump is crushing the field. 32.4 is the average. 
Harvard Harris has him up 45 points over the rest of the field. This is a 10 person field. It's not even close. So with a commanding lead like that, that he does not appear to be losing. In fact, his lead only appears to either remain the same or to be increasing as his most intense and serious primary challenger seems to be losing ground. Why on earth would Trump get on that stage? Well, because the voters have a right. They demand the right to see the candidates debate. They don't demand that. If those poll numbers start to change, then that will indicate that the voters are demanding that. But as of now, the voters seem to be extraordinarily supportive of Trump without seeing him debate the other candidates. Well, but they, the voters should demand it. Well, maybe you think they should demand it, but they're not demanding it right now. Well, I just think it's the right thing to do. Okay. Maybe you would prefer that Trump get on the debate stage. I would prefer it in many ways because it would give me more content for my show, and I'm sure it would be extremely entertaining. But there is no moral imperative for Donald Trump to engage in a primary debate, and there is no law that says he has to do it, and there is no particular rule in the Republican Party that says he has to do it. I'm sure the Republican Party would prefer that he do it, but don't forget, Trump engaged in a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. Trump doesn't give a damn what the party apparatchiks want. If the other candidates want Donald Trump to debate, they have to create the political circumstances that force him to debate. And the way to create those political circumstances is to knock his poll numbers down. If the other candidates cannot knock his poll numbers down, then Trump showing up on that debate stage presents all risk and no upside. That's how politics works. Candidates have one goal in a campaign, and that is to win the race. The race right now is not against Joe Biden. The race is for the Republican Party nomination. You might say, well, I just think Trump's not going to be a good general election candidate. Doesn't matter. That's not what we're asking right now. Well, I just think he's, he looks cowardly. Maybe he does. And if enough voters think that he looks cowardly for ditching the debates, that will be reflected in the polls, and then he will be forced to engage in the later debates. But right now, I'm just, I'm not prescribing anything. I'm not advocating anything. I'm just telling you why it is the case that Trump is inclined not to engage in the debate. He has very little to gain and quite a lot to lose. Now, on the other side of this, look at the Democratic Party. Joe Biden is up 54 points on his next most serious primary rival, RFK Jr. So this is a Kennedy, albeit a somewhat kooky one. This is a mainstream Democrat who's been in public life for a long time. Biden's up 54 points on him. Trump is not quite up 54 points, but he's up a similar amount on his nearest primary rival. And don't forget, there are three candidates right now in the Democrat field. It's Biden, Bobby Kennedy, and Marianne Williamson, who's, who's much lower. If Biden's not going to debate, which he almost certainly is not, then why would Trump debate? Well, you might say, well, because Biden is the incumbent and Trump's not the incumbent. Yeah, kind of, kind of. We have not had a one-term president run for a rematch in over 130 years. The last president to do it was Grover Cleveland. It's only happened once in American history that a president won non-consecutive terms. So I grant you, Trump is not literally the incumbent here, but practically speaking, for most intents and purposes, Trump is the incumbent. 
You might say, well, he shouldn't be treated that way. That's wrong. That's not, I'm not telling you what should or should be whatever. I'm just explaining. I am describing to you why the circumstances in this primary are different from the other primaries. You can like that. You can not like that. You can pull your hair out and scream to the heavens. If you don't accept those political realities, you're going to become increasingly frustrated as this inevitably unusual primary unfolds. Speaking of learning things, when you want to learn stuff, you got to check out Hillsdale College. Right now, go to hillsdale.edu slash Knowles. Are you a few years or maybe a few decades out of school and wondering, what did I even learn and what was the point? You might think to yourself that you don't have the time to learn something new. Well, if that's you, then know this, you're not alone. It's not too late. Since 1844, Hillsdale College has been providing education in faith, freedom, and character. They've taken some of the core classes they teach on campus and made them available for free online for anyone who wants to learn. That is right, for free. There are 39 free courses to choose from, ranging from the Constitution, the Book of Genesis, free market economics, and so on. They're easy to follow, they're self-paced, so you can start whenever you want. In fact, you can start right now. It's everything you need all in one place with no long-term commitment. Let Hillsdale College be your guide. Learn when and where you want. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash Knowles to enroll. No cost. It's easy to get started. Hillsdale.edu slash Knowles to register. Hillsdale.edu slash Knowles. You know, you might have been one of the tens of millions of people who watched Netflix's hit show, Making a Murderer. If so, you're going to love Daily Wire Plus's new exclusive 10-part docuseries with Candace Owens, Convicting a Murderer, coming this summer. Whether it's exposing BLM or certain fallacies in the healthcare industry regarding COVID, Candace has never been afraid to challenge the narrative. She will find the truth wherever it leads. When Candace found out that key facts may have been omitted in Netflix's series, she set out to uncover the real story behind the notorious Stephen Avery case. The end result is convicting a murderer. You will not want to miss it. You will also get all of the other premium content from Daily Wire Plus, including The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, What is a Woman, and the largest collection of content from Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, Right now at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Become a member. See the truth when it finally comes out. Speaking of the 2024 primary, looks like we might get a new presidential candidate on the Democrat side. That would be Joe Manchin. West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin, who is probably the single most moderate Democrat in the country, certainly at the federal level, along with Kirsten Sinema, and really more than Kirsten Sinema even. Uh, Joe Manchin is also the most vulnerable senator looking at re-election next year. So you got a, a Republican challenger who's way up on Joe Manchin right now. So what is Manchin doing? Is he campaigning around West Virginia? No, he's campaigning around New Hampshire. He's going to be at an event sponsored by a group called No Labels. No Labels is this kind of squishy middle ground group, which pretends that losing political distinctions is somehow good. <laughs> that's, that's the premise. No labels. We should have no clarity in our political process. We, we should just all be part of the uniparty, <laughs> is, is the real meaning of their phrase. But they think it sounds nice because they think it sounds nonpartisan and not nasty and icky and really nice and moderate. And so this would be a natural place for Joe Manchin to go. And he's campaigning with them to potentially consider a third party presidential ticket on the ballot in all 50 states. The Republican governor of West Virginia, Jim Justice, is leading Manchin in a hypothetical U.S. Senate matchup in 2024 by 22 points. 
he is absolutely destroying Manchin right now because the people of West Virginia are pretty conservative, but it's, it's a holdover Democrat state. So you got the last remaining blue dog Democrats, conservative Democrats are there. Manchin has to satisfy his party leadership and he's got to satisfy his, his constituency. Those are increasingly pulling in different directions. They're ripping Manchin apart. And so it opens a wide window for a Republican like Jim Justice to come in and beat Manchin. So what is Manchin going to do? His only option, really, if he wants to continue his political career, is either to suck up to Joe Biden to try to get an appointment in a hypothetical second term, or to run for president himself on a third-party ticket. I mention this story not because I think uh, Joe Manchin's going to be president or the Democrat nominee or anything like that. Uh, I mention it because it, it shows the point on the Republican debates, which is that politicians are often motivated by raw, hard circumstance. They're going to go where their opportunity is. This is true of all of us. This is true in our careers. This is sometimes true in our personal lives. This is true in how we move from city to city. This is true in, in impelling so much of our action. We follow opportunity. And this is especially true for national level politicians who are extremely ambitious men. So if you want to impel a, a different kind of behavior, if you, if you don't want Joe Manchin to run for president, well, then you've got to give him another option to maintain his political career. If you want Donald Trump to engage in the first primary debates, well, you need to create the political circumstances that will force him to do that, whether by damaging his poll numbers, changing some rules with the RNC, that's never going to work, or something else that I haven't thought of. But you can't just whine and say, oh, no, why are circumstances the way that they are? This is something that drives me crazy about political pundits and specifically conservative pundits is they just whine all the time. They just whine. And, and it, it's not that they whine about things that they can change. I like the idea of targeted and productive criticism to change things and to improve the state of the country. That's not what I'm talking about. Trump describes that as you whine, whine, whine until you win. That's not what I'm lamenting here. What I am constructively lamenting here is the tendency among many conservatives and specifically in the pundit class to just pointlessly moan about circumstances that they are not going to change and that are not going to change on their own. Say, oh no, if the voters just weren't so stupid, they wouldn't nominate this person I hate. Or, oh no, if the... the political apparatchiks in the Senate or in the bureaucracy would just get along with this legislation that I really want, then the country would be better. Yeah, well, bro, if you want that to happen, then you, ha you have to engage in politics. Politics is an art very closely tied to reality. It's not pie in the sky. It's not some fantasy you make up in your, your own head. You got to create the hard circumstances. Now, speaking of Southern politicians, Turn to a politician in Alabama now. This would be Tommy Tuberville, a great U.S. senator who fell into some real hot water. Uh, what did he say? I don't know exactly what he said, but CNN's calling him racist. Tuberville just continues doubling down on his comments. Originally, he made these comments weeks ago, basically arguing that white nationalists weren't necessarily racist. And he was pressed repeatedly by our Caitlin Collins yesterday and then pressed repeatedly by reporters again today. Here's what he said. Why you continue to insist that white nationalists are American? Listen, I'm totally against racism. 
And if the Democrats want to say that white nationalists are racist, I'm totally against that too. But that's okay. not a Democratic definition. The definition of a white nationalist. Well, that's is your someone... definition. My definition it is, is the racism definition. bad. The definition. Next question. The definition. The definition is that the belief that the white race is superior to all other races. Totally out of the question. So, do you believe that white nationalists are racist? Yes. If that's what a race is, yes. Thank you. But that is the definition. And he just continues to double down. <laughs> double down on what? <laughs> He's, um, uh, Senator Chubberville, why are you such a terrible racist? Uh, I'm not, racism's bad. But yeah, but why are you super duper racist? Why, why are you a racist, white, evil, white, nationalist, white, cis, male, baddie, Nazi, Hitler, bad, bad? Can you please answer that? Uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm those things. I don't, What? Yes, so uh, back to you, Jim. Yep, that's really, uh, you can see Senator Tuberville there calling for pogroms and burning crosses. That's right. Senator Tuberville, a genocidal racist because, I don't know. Obviously, Tuberville has the right answer here. His uh, clear bemusement and <laughs> funny contempt for these stupid questions from CNN is the right, the right answer. Don't ever grant them the premise on this stuff. It should go without saying at this point. But you, you don't need to defend yourself. No, really, uh, seriously, my, some of my best friends are black, and I, 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 I totally I disavow everything, any made-up term that you can throw at me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, you just kind of bat it away, huh? Yeah, racism is, is really bad. Yep, really, oh, it's very, very bad. All that bad things are really, really bad. That's so true. But are you a nationalist? What does that even mean? What is white nationalism? What is it? It's a, just a term that the libs popularized in recent years because they knew that there was a nationalist and a populist uh, movement that was going on. And they don't like that because they're liberal globalists. And so they need to describe that as bad. They need to paint that, that nationalism as bad. And in America, the way that you call something bad is to call it racist. Those terms are synonymous. So when they use the term white nationalism, all it means is it's racist nationalism, which is to say bad nationalism, which is to say bad. Are you bad? No, I'm not bad. I'm not. Now, obviously, the nation state is far preferable to the liberal globalism that all of these awful people are trying to thrust upon us. But let's take the question seriously here, because I'm not a U.S. senator. I don't need to bat away these stupid reporters. We have a little more breathing room here to, to discuss these things. What is even the premise of white nationalism? That some people want America to be an exclusively white country. America's never been an exclusively white country. The libs are wrong when the libs pretend that all the white people are really bad, and all the people who have done all the really great stuff in America have been black and Native American. Sometimes they say they're Muslim. They weren't Muslims here until relatively recently, but okay, fine, whatever. Uh, the, obviously, the libs are wrong about that. The people in the most conspicuous positions of power, the settlers of America, the, the people who crafted much of the country, by and large, were white people. Absolutely. Libs want to revise that. They, they, they got angry at the Abraham Lincoln movie because the Abraham Lincoln movie points out that Lincoln freed the slaves. They say, you can't say that because Lincoln's a white man. The slaves had to have freed themselves. But of course, they didn't do that. So, okay, obviously, yeah, that, that's crazy. But then on the flip side of it, there are some people who will say, America is exclusively white, strictly white. All the good stuff comes from the white people. None of the good stuff comes from the other people. And that's wrong too. And 
the person who, oddly enough, had one of the more insightful visions of this kind of thing is Carl Jung. You, you might have heard of Carl Jung because Jordan Peterson talks about him all the time. Carl Jung. Uh, Carl Jung was a psychologist and a, a pretty interesting writer. I don't agree with him on everything, but he made some interesting points. And uh, Carl Jung observed in America this strange phenomenon whereby he was walking on the streets of Buffalo and he turned to someone he was walking with and he said, wow, I didn't realize how much Indian blood was in America. I didn't realize how much intermingling and marriage and and birth there was with the Indians. And the guy said, what are you talking about? We don't have much intermarriage at all with the Indians. These are Irish people and German people. He said, no, they they look Indian. They've got, but it's not that their skin looked Indian. (laughs) There was something about their comportment that seemed foreign as compared to an Irishman or, or as compared to a German. And that seemed a little bit more akin to a Native American Indian. What's that about? Jung observed that there's something in the American character that seems more similar to what one would stereotypically consider a black man to be like, an African to be like, than, say, a Frenchman or an Englishman or a German or an Irishman, even though the people exhibiting these behaviors were white as the driven snow. What's that about? And what Jung sees there is that this is a matter of acculturation and behavior that there are ideas that motivate countries and cultures. And these ideas don't just come from genetics or something like that. They come from culture. And so in Germany, for instance, is obsessed with the idea, capital I idea. That's, that's a theme that has motivated Germany. England is obsessed with the gentleman. Gentlemanliness is, is a motivating, driving concept in England. France, it's glory. Le jeu de gloire est arrivé. And in America, it's greatness. And it's just different. And these things distinguish Americans from other sorts of people. And the way that culture works is not, not deriving purely from biology or something like that. Far from it. That, that culture is created by this mixing of peoples and geography and history that has, has occurred since the very beginning of the country, since the Mayflower landed at Plymouth Harbor. Uh, I assume CNN would not understand any of that and would not be interested in hearing any of that. But it, it is a reminder as to why the, the premise of their question, when they hurl this at you, and they're going to hurl this at you all the time, white nationalism, racism, thisism, and thatism, they're attacking something that nobody really believes at all, and, and they're doing it because of their extraordinarily shallow and vindictive uh, views of things that, that they are projecting onto their political opponents. But the reality, as always, in matters of history, politics, philosophy, as always, the reality is much richer and more interesting than, duh, who, white people bad, white nationalism, disavow, disavow, much, much more interesting what has really gone on in our country. Now, when you want to hire much better people than the sort who work at CNN, you got to check out ZipRecruiter. Right now, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. If you're hiring, you're probably dealing with economic uncertainty. And now more than ever, it is important to hire the right people faster and more efficiently to keep overall costs down. Thankfully, ZipRecruiter is a hiring partner focused on you and your needs. From pricing to technology, Everything that ZipRecruiter does is for you and what works best for you. Right now, you can try them for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. ZipRecruiter's smart technology identifies and matches for your job. It lets you invite the candidates that you really want to apply 
to your job before other businesses can snag them. I love how straightforward it is. The pricing is straightforward. You know exactly what you pay for before posting your job. So you can stick to your budget with no surprises. Hire the absolute best with the help of a partner that is all about you with Zip Recruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within one day. Go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. My favorite comment yesterday is from Rewind Gaming 9000, who says, Knowles' episodes keep getting shorter and shorter. It's almost like YouTube keeps making more and more of his show against their guidelines. Uh, they do, and they're doing it capriciously, and they're not, they're not even telling us what violates their guidelines. And so we are called in this culture to be wise as doves, not wise as doves and innocent as serpents, quite the opposite. Wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And so I've said, I'm not going to censor myself, period, punto y basta. So my full show with my full commentary that might violate any other number of big tech guidelines, that's available on the RSS feed, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Daily Wire Plus, of course. Uh, You can get that on Twitter at Show. As for YouTube, if they're looking for some excuse to nuke my channel, I'm not going to give it to them. I'm going to remain on YouTube. I'm going to do my level best to follow their guidelines. And then I'm going to redirect people and say, well, if you want the content that YouTube is censoring from this platform, then you got to go to the other platforms here. And maybe they'll try to nuke me anyway, just because they don't like the cut of my jib. But we're not going to give them any excuse to do that. So I don't know, maybe the YouTube episode will be 30 minutes. I don't know, maybe it'll be 35 minutes, 25 minutes. I don't know what it is, but you'll get that full episode, Daily Wire Plus, Twitter, and the RSS feed. Speaking of American identity, how do you feel about your country? We just had the 4th of July. Some people don't like their country very much. People like the singer Jill Scott. Oh, say, can you see? By the blood in the streets That this place doesn't smile On you colored child Okay, I think we get the point. It's bloody. The blood built this land, and the white people are evil, and the black people did all the good stuff, and they're always oppressed, and okay, whatever. Here is the attention you ordered, ma'am. Here you are. Do you want it? Here, can I give you some attention hors d'oeuvre and some, perhaps an attention digestif along with your meal and entree of attention? Well, she got it. No one had ever heard of this woman before, and now, now we've mentioned her name. There are plenty of people who agree with her, at least plenty of people who say that they agree with her. And this poses an existential threat to the Republic, as we talked about at the very top of the show today. We now need, in Texas school districts, we need children to present government-issued notarized birth certificates to join the school choir because social trust has broken down so much and common language has broken down so much and community has broken down so much. And this would be another example of this. Uh, Polybius has a good observation, the ancient Greek historian of Rome, who pointed out that democracy can persist only when there is a reverence 
for the gods, only when there is serious, disciplined, limited behavior, only when there is respect for parents and elders. And we talk a lot about how, how democracy and republics are, are built for moral and religious people only. So there's your reverence for the gods. We talk about how people need to be, be able to control themselves or government's going to come in and control them more heavy handedly. Sure, that's true. But we, don't, we don't talk enough about respect for elders and why you have to respect your elders. Uh, politically, that is. One, it's to have a stable society. Two, it's to preserve the basic unit of society, the basic political unit, which is the family. Uh, and three, because it's what connects society through the generations. The older generation cares for the younger generation. The younger generation owes reverence and respect for the older generation. If you hate your parents, you're going to hate your country because your country was built by your forefathers. A friend of mine, a very perspicacious friend of mine, I've used that word a lot recently. It keeps coming to mind, maybe because of all these incisive visions that keep popping up. A friend said that all of liberalism can be boiled down to, F you, dad. That's it. That's all you need to know. Forget John Locke, forget John Stuart Mill, John Rawls, a lot of Johns among the liberals. Throw all of their books out. It doesn't matter. All you need to know about liberalism is that it boils down to, F you, dad. And that's what you see. That's what this woman is yelling about here. The blood in the streets in this awful place because all of my forebears and forefathers were bad and I hate you, dad, and this is terrible. And this is the, the liberal view of history. The past was bad. The present is a crisis. The utopia is right around the corner, but we've, we've got to urgently pursue progress. And it, it rips up everything on which your society previously had relied. That's it. If you don't, if you got, if you got daddy issues, that's not just a personal problem. That's going to bleed over into a political problem as we see today. Now, speaking of insulting your audience, as this woman has, Fox stock has been downgraded. Fox News, dominant name in cable news, has been downgraded after the viewership has continued to decline. Wells Fargo, downgraded the Fox Corporation stock because Fox News's viewership has not rebounded since they fired Tucker, Tucker who was their biggest name and actually the biggest name in the history of cable news. In May, ratings for Fox took a nosedive because they kicked out Tucker. The network dropped from a 3 million viewer average to a 1.65 million viewer average in the 8 p.m. hour. It's almost 50% drop. And they, they haven't really rebounded. So Wells Fargo has deemed Fox Corporation underweight because Fox News drives so much of the profits of, of the Fox Corporation. And uh, now with ecosystem risks also elevated, Wells Fargo finds the estimate outlook more negative and below the street, below Wall Street. Okay. Fox might not be able to ride this one out. Previously, the corporate understanding of boycotts was that boycotts usually don't matter all that much. If they do matter at all, they're going to matter from the left because the left has the institutional power. And so if, if the libs call for a boycott, they'll probably cave at least to some degree and then everything will be fine. If the conservatives call for a boycott, it doesn't matter. Conservatives are not sufficiently organized. They don't have sufficient institutional power. So ride it out. You wait a week, Bud Light sales are going to increase again. Okay, you wait a week. The conservatives are upset that 
that the main conservative host left at Fox is gone. Okay, but whatever. In a week or two, they'll come back. They haven't come back. They haven't. Something has changed here. Two things have changed, actually. One, the, the, the political landscape has changed. There is a populist movement and there are greater platforms for populists to speak. And there has been a flattening of, of the public square, which the big tech platforms are doing their best to counteract by censoring conservatives. But then you see chinks in the armor. You see uh, a, an open-minded, if not conservative, at least non-leftist like Elon Musk, he buys Twitter, conservatives get to speak again. You see people cutting cords and pulling out of traditional cable to begin with. You see conservatives recognizing that the uniparty establishment doesn't serve their interests, either in its Republican form or its Democrat form. So you're seeing alternatives pop up. People like Donald Trump taking over the Republican Party, even though Trump has no particular affinity or loyalty to the Republican Party. And then the other side of that is that the corporations, even the supposedly conservative ones, have become more liberal. Fox made an intentional choice to become more liberal, to fire its most prominent conservative host, to get rid of a lot of other conservatives on the platform, to blacklist conservatives from the platform, to to indulge in radical leftist ideologies, even in the very language that they use. And they, they just thought that they could get away with it. But there's just, sometimes you reach a bridge too far. And for because we're still on YouTube right now, I'll speak uh, ambiguously. Back in the 90s, the social ideologies and movements, they didn't push the conservatives too far. Conservatives didn't like it, but they didn't push it too far. In the 2000s, didn't totally push it too far. Even in the early part of the 20-teens, didn't push it too far. But they reached a point on some of the social stuff where a a flip just switched. Or a, a switch just flipped. Or a switch switched, I don't know. And parents said, no more. And suburban voters said, no more. And cable news viewers said, no more. And beer drinkers said, no more. And the corporations are waiting for that bounce back. I hope they don't hold their breath. Now, today is Theology Thursday. And I have my friend Angela Ucci joining. You might remember Angela. She came on and described how she had previously lived as a kind of new age, hippy-dippy, astrology, Reiki practicing person. And, And then got on the right track of things. I've been feeling depressed since I was 13. Like that's, something's wrong. That's a lot. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just ready to die at this point. I'm bawling my eyes out. I just said out loud, Jesus save me. And something happened. The rest of the show continues now. If you have questions for Angela, make sure you put them into your chat right now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Check it for two months free on all annual plans.